Apollonia. You may remember me from Purple Rain as leading lady to Prince, or from my band Apollonia 6. I've starred in films, TV shows, and I've been on the cover of magazines all over the world, including Playboy. I was also an LA Rams cheerleader. I'm going to take you with me. Welcome to my podcast, Apollonia Studio 6. Hi, I'm Apollonia, and welcome to Apollonia Studio 6. And to my right is my fabulous co-host, Mr. Seth. Who's here today? Who's our guest? Oh, today, our very first guest. It's only fitting. She is was the vessel for this beautiful disaster right here. <laughs> <laughs> she is the multi-talented unbelievable uh i will always call her even though i get in trouble the first lady of the minneapolis sound but she's so much more jill jones yeah thank, thank you, you jill thank thanks, you thanks guys how sweet thank you so much for being here today <laughs> thanks for having me i'm so excited to be here My beautiful yes. sister um, yes. Last Loving night. Loving this whole. You like it? You, yeah. we, look at this. It's so pretty. We have great people here helping us, you know, today. And mm -hmm. we just wanted to make sure that it was beautiful for you. Oh, it's great. It feels really good. Glamorous and, you know, purple little touches. <laughs> last night I was putting together, um, you know, we were researching. We had to research you. As, oh, really? As well as we know you that we yeah. think. And the oh, first no. thing I, I, I thought was, when I see your name, I have to say this, when I see your name, Jill Jones, I always <laughs> read it in, in Jerome's voice. Jail! <laughs> Jail Jones! He has just, the Midwest Jill. Jill. And I kept hearing Jill. that last night. Jail! Yeah. It's Jail. But uh, we're just, I'm just so thrilled, so honored. My sister, uh, first of all, I look and I, I read, it says, singer songwriter, actress. I wrote proud mother, mm. wife, activist, oh. legend, my sister, Jill Jones. Thank you. Um, wow. That means a lot. You know, I, it's so funny how, you know, how everyone affiliated with this whole purple world. We all have, uh, you know, we sometimes forget um, some of the sometimes you're reading just what's on Wikipedia and all of that, and you can sometimes forget sometimes the personal stuff that a lot of people mm. don't know. That's mm -hmm. right. That really means a lot to each one of us. Like mm. I know yep. things about you and Seth right. and everyone else that doesn't often get highlighted. So yeah, right. I'm and activist. Grateful. I mean, you are so incredibly eloquent, brilliant with politics, uh, activism. That so many times I read, you know, what you're writing about and i'm not very political and you know it just i have to admit it goes right over my head so many <laughs> times you know because she's so involved and i learn a lot from you oh thanks. you know I, I go then and i google what she's you know writing about and it's just always so deep and it's always so profound i think i that evolved over years of just being angry <laughs> <laughs> Being so goddamn mad <laughs> the world. Um, so it was easy to find things to get upset about and act on it. No. Um, yeah, I think. And also, you know, I think we're going through a tremendous shift. And uh, and I think that um, 
somewhere we all were kind of political without knowing that we were. I I don't think we often uh, take into account what norms we were breaking, what rules, what Mm -hmm. new structures we were creating, being affiliated in the Prince world. Right. And um, even that movement of uh, so many African-American and people of color coming from middle America Mm -hmm. to rule the charts the way they did. I mean, we were all really a part of that movement. So I think it's, it's only natural that we sometimes look at it. We all were. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people thought you were black, African-American? Still to this day. You know, and yet you are a Latina woman, um, that like I don't know if it's Latinx or which everybody. You know what? Everybody I wants I am so called. confused because I go, what's Latinx and all this? You know, all I know is that I'm Mexican American, born in Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they call us Chicanos or yeah, I don't know. But that was a big step too. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, I think it all of it. And even though the journalists weren't really writing about that movement, it was definitely mm-hmm. happening, and it was changing the way casting directors were looking right. at people. Yeah. Um, the way scripts were getting approved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that, I would have to say we all played a really big part in right. in a movement that changed things. It was changing, you know, I even dare to say that it was changing the rules of beauty. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The rules of beauty. Dare to say it, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was changing the rules of beauty. Totally. You know, I mean, it wasn't just about being... Uh, you know, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> now it was, you know, now the most beautiful women uh, were the Vanities and the Apollonias mm-hmm. and the Susans totally. and the Jills. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was okay to, it was okay. And and it that was an unbelievable thing because when you think about all the girls that came after, mm-hmm. that, that, that mold, you know, you ladies were the, were really the mold for that. Oh, true. Because when you think about like those Bonnie Bell commercials mm-hmm. and stuff in the 70s yeah. and the type with the the bangs that came here and they were sort of mousy brown, uh, those type of, I don't even know the models who they had during that time, but it definitely, they were almost really milk toast looking, mm-hmm. almost yeah. very bland when you look at it now. All American girls. Yeah, yeah. and that was all American. And then- these bombshells came along and just changed the game, which had to be done. Yeah, yeah. The thing about, I used to say back in the day, which people probably won't understand what it means, but we were sort of like a Benetton of colors. Mm -hmm. You know, all of us, everybody. And that's what, you know, he chose. Um, Now I'm going to go back. You were born, I was reading July 11th in Lebanon, Ohio. Yep. Right? And uh, your mother was a fashion designer, and your father is a jazz musician, drummer. Mom wasn't a fashion designer. She was modeling, That's how, and a singer, how she mm-hmm. got out of Lebanon. Yeah, model. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so tell me about that, what it was like growing up. Ooh. Your parents, um, he was a musician. Your mom is fabulous in fashion, modeling. and. Well, my mom left early, and I was, I was uh, as most mothers in those days, uh, toting around an infant was not going to work. I think we had mothers, I guess, in the 60s and 70s who made a choice to utilize their uh, support systems, which tended to be the mother of Mm -hmm. their mother. Mm -hmm. 
And I stayed there back in Lebanon and mom went out and ventured into the world. And my dad, I never really met my dad. I only Mm -hmm. spoke to my father on the um, telephone my Mm -hmm. whole life. Mm -hmm. And he, he was, um, he was white, Italian, uh, family based in like Middlesboro, uh, Kentucky and different regions of Kentucky. And um, I guess during like at the beginning of the census, when census, uh, what, like in the 1800s, a lot of Italians came to Ohio, believe it or not, after they got off of Ellis Island, they, a lot of Italians and Germans went to Ohio and Mm. specifically around Cincinnati area and Hamilton area. And then a few, they just branched off. Yeah. But my dad's family was incredibly racist, like mm. incredibly racist, his mother was. And um, so after my mom had me, then his mother decided to move the whole damn family to Hawaii so you couldn't get any further oh, wow. away from Hawaii. Wow, whereabouts in Hawaii do you... Like, um, I don't know, Honolulu somewhere? Mm, I mean, okay. I my stepmother to this day, my dad's wife, because my dad's passed on, who I... It's funny, I have a whole different life now knowing his wife, Mm ex-wife, who was a singer, who worked with Herbie Hancock, who who was a jazz singer. Whoa. Um, My dad played for Don Ho. Really? Yes. Wow. And so it's so interesting that through all these years, I remember I was doing a session at Herbie Hancock's house, and I remembered that he knew of my stepmother. It was like kind mm-hmm. of like going home, but I didn't really know these people. So everything sort of comes full circle. And mm. but and then my mother left, and when she was modeling, she was doing a lot of the Detroit car shows mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Auto show. Mm-hmm. And she met um, my stepfather, who would later be Fuller Gordy. Yeah. Then we moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. That's how we got, I got out here. Wow. It's the only way. Wow. So you get out here, mm-hmm. and your mother at the time started to represent Tina Marie. Yes, she did. Wow. I was reading, I was like, what? Yep. She met Tina mm-hmm. when my mom was working at Motown and mm-hmm. Tina had been signed uh, with a band. Mm-hmm. And the band looked like it was going to get dropped. Mm-hmm. Is that the band she was in with Carrie? No. That, no, that okay. was another, okay. when they didn't know what to do with, okay. with poor Tina. Um, go figure. But she came in and was signed with a band, and uh, then they decided um, they weren't sure about the band because they also had just signed Tata Vega as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tata Vega, who went on to work with uh, Andre Crouch and mm-hmm. doing more mm-hmm. gospel stuff. But at the time, they were kind of rivals, and they were kind of coming off of the heels of Shaka Khan. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to find a duplicate Shaka mm-hmm. Khan, right. in essence. Right. And Tina's dilemma was she was white, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. sounded black. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and Tata was like Puerto Rican, which right. is so you know interesting too. Um, but then mom was managing her. She befriended her, and we used to take her up to like the family. Uh, we used to have backgammon tournaments. The family, mm-hmm. Gordy family, would have these Big, huge tournaments that people would come from all over to play in. Fun. Billy Holiday, not Billy Holiday, Billy D. Williams. Oh, uh, wow. Um, uh, Diana Ross. All of these people mm-hmm. would be at these things. And it was really like a weekend mm-hmm. full right. of 
going into the finals, like who's going to make the finals and who did this. And <laughs> so competitive. It, it right? really was. It was the same when they would have tennis tournaments, same thing. How much fun. And everybody was really, because there was a huge prize too. Right. Yeah. And Whoa, like uh, what? Uh, lots of money would really? be a prize. Yeah. You get a trophy and it was incredibly competitive. The Gordies are incredibly competitive yeah. people yeah. Um, amongst themselves. It was always good, healthy competition. Yeah. But you definitely, we had like a backgammon table at our house, mm -hmm. like in my own house. Right. It was great. It was beautiful wood. It was gorgeous. We practiced. How fun. And yeah, so um, Tina kind of got Barry's ear mm -hmm. that way. And, okay. it, and then she moved into our house too. So, wow. Yeah. So Tina became, from what, you know, I mean, you know, being at her, unfortunately at her funeral. Mm-hmm. I know what she means to you yeah. and meant to you. She was your family, a mentor and a sister. Totally. And you started singing at the age of 15 with her. Mm-hmm. 15. Was that your first professional session was with Tina? Oh. Uh, or had you been doing sessions before that? I have a funny feeling that um, somehow... Yes, there was a Mary Wilson kind of stint in mm. the middle of that. I mm -hmm. sang backing vocals on. And I can't remember if I got that through Iris Gordy, who was like my stepsister. Okay. Um, which would make sense because I already knew about studios yeah. basically from um, I lived at Iris's house through the week because mm -hmm. I went to a school in Beverly Hills and my mm -hmm. parents' house yeah. was in Hollywood Hills. So I had to like find okay. a way. So yeah. I lived at Iris's. <clears throat> In the um, in the week, and I would end up at the studio a lot when Tata Vega was making her album. Yeah. So I'm almost inclined to say no, it wasn't. Okay. But then being at the house at with Tina living there mm -hmm. uh -huh. turned into, you know, we had a Jack and Jill bathroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to hear her writing songs and her right. asking me to come, but to be to get fully in the union and mm -hmm. all of that stuff, yeah. musicians union. Yeah. It was through Tina for sure. Yeah. Tell me the story about as we're as we're on your uh uh kind of first things here. How did you end up on the album cover as a little girl? <laughs> Tell me that story. For Ozone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, um because it was the Gordy family, uh, we had a lot of access to a lot of people yeah. that um, would come to yeah. family events yeah. and whatever. I don't know if some people wanted to garner favor, Yeah, you know, all of that. <laughs> uh, they may have decided to put me. I don't know why. There were so many other gorgeous women, yeah. real legit models who could have done that. Yeah. Um, but the guys in Ozone always really got along with me, and they yeah. were really nice guys, yeah. you know, like big brothers. Yeah. And the same with the guys from Switch. Yeah. Um, I used to talk to Philip on the phone all the time. Yeah. These guys would call, and, you know, it was like, oh, that's Barry's step-niece or yeah. whatever. And yeah. I think, you know, it was nice and pretty harmless. I think that maybe... I, I kind of got to be in the realm of it just because of yeah. proximity and because they weren't stupid about how to to get yeah. more attention for themselves. How old were you? Uh, I was definitely about 
14 or no, 15. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. look. That's and we'd gone out on tour with Sean Cassidy with Tina, which was really funny because then years later I was going to school with his brother, Patrick. <laughs> really crazy. Like, do you have the album cover? I do. I think I do have the album. Someone sent me that album. I've got it. You yeah, got it. I'm sure. Sure. it. Oh my God. That's <laughs> For so- sure. Yeah, I, they put my hair in a little ponytail, uh-huh. I, you know, and um, I had a kind of punk shirt, which uh-huh. was adorable. So funny, right? <laughs> so, so you go from f- 14, then 15. So you start singing with Tina on several of her albums in mm-hmm. the early 80s at yeah. Motown. Yeah. So you're not even, you're, you're not even 20. Mm-mm. And you're, I mean, working at Motown with these True. incredible people. They used to have a studio in the building for artists to go and write mm-hmm. and sing. And that those little things started because Tina was like already polishing up her chops as a producer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and there really weren't very many female producers. She's fought very hard yeah. to get to that place. Yeah. But she was definitely far more equipped mm-hmm. yeah. knowing the board all of that yeah than most of the guys she ended up working with yeah she was trailblazer mm-hmm. definitely totally definitely so you know we know she gets she gets with rick rick kind of launches her star out there but she tina was really kind of her own artist mm-hmm. true you know um she was really her own artist so she ends up with Prince. And I remember, I remember <laughs> very clearly as a as a, you know, younger kid in Detroit, the Dirty Mind Tour and mm-hmm. Tina Maria's opening. And mm-hmm. I was shocked because I w- I was thinking, you know, because for all of you who don't know, but most of you that do that are true Prince fans know that this whole rivalry with Prince and Rick that started with the 1980 tour where Prince opened up for Rick, there it was it became legendary. So for Tina at the time, who was considered a Rick protege, mm-hmm. to be opening up for Prince now, Prince mm-hmm. is now the headliner. Mm-hmm. And Tina's opening for Prince, it was like a major coup. <laughs> right. Completely. So you're singing background for Tina. Mm-hmm. And so when did you first come across, or what were your first thoughts when you meet this little guy, Prince? Who encourages, encourages you to sing? Did he really do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. He, I, you know... Obviously, you develop these relationships on on the road, and I think a reason I was a little bit sarcastic and aloof and kind of snotty to him when we met him on the staircase because we were um, we had just finished our set mm-hmm. and the stage was super small. I mean, it might have been this big, and you know, if you we'd just come off of the Rick James tour, Mm -hmm. of course. And because Tina was a protege of his, in her mind, she had to have as many musicians as he did. (laughs) So imagine all 35 musicians hovered on one little stage and we're all singing and stuff. And then Prince is all pared down, six people on stage. That's it. It was like the total, wow, mind blown. Yeah. But I still had an issue with God, you know, our set is really small. Like it, it, it's tiny. And um, 
so we got off the thing and then they introduced Tina to him on the staircase. Yeah. Uh, I think we were in Buffalo. And then he was walking and I was behind her and I'm obviously taller than both of them. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, Jill, this is Prince. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, uh, hello, whatever. And <laughs> it was just very already from the beginning. And he was like looking like. This was like 1980, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. And his eyes were like, hello. I was like going. I mean, was the stage small enough? You know, it was like I said some crack, which was, thanks for the stage. Yeah. You know, something really, really shitty. Class, classic Jill totally. in your face. And then stormed up the steps. <laughs> Had to walk like eight flights up to the dressing room, yeah. which was like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't, I didn't understand uh, that we're the opening act. Yeah. And this was, had no affiliation with mm -hmm. us, like the Rick James connection of yeah. like, you know, you're not in a crappy room, yeah. but it's, you know, it's not the best room, but it's not the worst, yeah. right? But yeah. this situation, we were the yeah. opening act yeah. and it felt like it. Yeah. So um, then slowly over that weird time, for some reason, I kept ending up with Prince in cars headed to the stadium, wherever we were playing. And uh, then I started thinking he was deliberately doing it where he would end up I'd have to get wait. He'd wait to get a ride with our people, mm -hmm. and I'd come down and be like, "Why is he in the car?" You know, like just yeah. because, and that's how it went. And then from there, the sort of uh, back and forth that we had with each other, yeah. kind of just evolved into a natural friendship. And then he had right. Steve, and he goes, "You sound really good." We soloed your voice, like when they mm. were when the show was going. So he was at the soundboard, and they yeah. just so that was eighty. So yeah. you said so you guys stayed in touch. Um, sorry. Didn't he throw a piece of gum and hit you in the head? Totally. Or something, something like, like that. that. <laughs> it was just like very it's, childish. But I also liked had a crush on him too, yeah. but I didn't know what to do. And Andre was kind of like the buffer in between all of that. Yeah. Mm. You know, and then at one point we were hanging out and then Prince goes, Andre told me that you were married. And I was like, married? And I, you know, it was obvious that I wasn't. And yeah. I don't even know. Andre will say, I never said that to him. <laughs> and I kind of believe. He might have made it up. That Prince made it up. Because Prince would, you always have to think like, what would Prince be telling people? Yeah. It didn't necessarily mean it was a fact. Yeah. That was the crazy thing about yeah. him. He but then I was up. like with Andre, why yeah. would you tell him that I was married? I mean, and it, 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 it was impossible for me to be married. Yeah. I had such a baby face and yeah. I actually looked underage, yeah. well underage. <laughs> so 1982. Mm -hmm. Now now you guys are friends for like a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And of course it says that you stayed in touch. You yes. stayed in touch. In 1982, he invites you to become a vocalist and he invites you into the studio. Mm-hmm. And then you sing on several tracks of the 1999 album. Yeah. You're also featured in a lot of his music videos for 1999, Automatic. And then from there, you go on tour. I mean, just like that, you're in the studio, you're making videos, and then it's a whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that whole year was really uh, fast-paced and I think he knew he was on the precipice of something mm -hmm. really great with 1999 because Andre had just left and he was kind of on his own 
And I think he was a little colder as a human being at that point. I think he gave himself permission to be as incredibly selfish as he wanted to be, mm -hmm. which we often need to at times if we want to elevate or move forward. And I, I think there were parts of that journey that he knew only he could do. It didn't require the whole band being in the studio recording like other bands did. This was really his own. He had more money from the label. He delivered what he needed to previously, so he was able to get these new drum machines and new equipment, and he could be as creative as he wanted, and I think he was just creating his dream world. And that time, he also had broken up with Susan Muncy. Mm. So he was going through a really big transition mm. with people and mm -hmm. people who were his support system for a while and how to repurpose them in his life. And that, for me, is where I think I came in because I was like a neutral body. I didn't really know all of these dynamics with people. So I think that it was easier to for him to really just be free and mm -hmm. creative, and we got a lot of work done. Do you remember what the first song was you sang on? The first song, I believe, was actually Boom Boom. Mm. He wrote that after he had asked me to give him some music. I had a tape that I had done on a piano with a writer. Mm -hmm. I was kind of doing like some old Pat Benatar sounding mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really funny. Mm -hmm. Vengeance is mine mm -hmm. and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? I gave it to him and I heard him as he zoomed off down the road playing mm -hmm. this song that was only piano. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. So after that he went, he wrote the song, I came in and yeah. I sang on that. Yeah. And it was great. He was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Took it to Farnoli and all mm -hmm. of those guys mm -hmm. the next day. Mm -hmm. They were like, we want to sign it. But he was also working on Vanity Six and um, they were in and out of the studio and mm -hmm. he just really didn't have the time. Yeah. And so then after that, I think it was the very first one, might have been Lady Cab Driver. Okay. So let's talk about, <sighs> that's probably the most infamous song. Yeah. You told me a funny story. I don't know if you want to share it or not. Oh, about you could share it. the infamous uh, section of Lady Cab Driver that is so known. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and, and how probably unrolled... <laughs> how people think it's probably so sexual and romantic. I know, I and, feel bad. And it. how unsexual and romantic totally. it probably really is. I feel terrible for breaking this whole <laughs> mystique, you know, mystique about it, but I, I guess I can now. Okay. I mean, everybody is like imagining all sorts of things because we even had the bed springs rocking on that thing. Right, right. Um, so oh, he man. had this song and we did the whole, you know, uh, Later, cab uh -huh. driver, uh -huh. and doing direct harmony with him. Yeah. And then it gets to this like breakdown part. I don't know. He was just tooling around <laughs> with things and whatever. And then he just wants all this moaning and groaning. And I was like, <laughs> it was weird because I think Peggy was there, McCreary. I yeah. was like, oh no. <laughs> yep. Felt really uncomfortable because we were also, we weren't in the studio. We were sitting in chairs. We were at the console recording this. It yeah. was nothing, you know, it was like us sitting here now. And if we all just decided to sing Lady Cap Driver yeah. Yeah. And, and moan <laughs> and moan. And I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. And uh -huh. I just couldn't get, he goes, I know you can do it. And I mean, he, he knew I could at that point because yeah. we'd also been kind of fooling around a little yeah. bit, but 
that's different yeah. than, <laughs> you know, no way. Yeah. Like, those are different moans. Yeah. So I need some water. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hot in here. So, finally, I, after a few very not great, uh, uh, you know, I told him, you have to leave. I have to do it myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, okay. So he leaves and he goes and sits in, because uh, we were in the studio that had the really tiny sitting room. It oh. was like right annexed off and, you know, you're looking at the TV. So I sat in there and I did it by myself, punch, punching it mm-hmm. uh-huh. and making all these noises. And uh-huh. then he came back in and he was like, because when Prince would laugh, you know how he yeah. would like bend over yeah. or fall backwards? Yeah. That's <laughs> what he was doing. He loved it. Uh-huh. And, you know, so, yeah, but... What was so interesting about that is that everyone who heard it didn't have the guts to ever ask us, is this real Uh or not? They assumed it was. Yeah. And we never told. (laughs) Yeah. It was just let them just twist and, you know, whatever and burn with anxiety, you know, about this. And even as managers, it was like everybody was like, yeah, I heard that song. And I'm like, and if you knew how it really got done, it wasn't (laughs) even. You know, not even like that in bed, you know? (laughs) I mean, that was so, that was such a, that those were probably the most legend, most legendary squeals of the 80s. Well, there's parts of the moan that he loved, like the, Uh, you know, there were, he even knew which parts he loved. He was cracking up, you know. I mean, you were like, that one sounds like an elephant, right? You know, we were like laughing. I mean, you were like driving, listening to the music, and you like pull over, and they're, you're like, and you're yes. like roll, put the volume down. They're like, well, let know, me tell some you, some people in the back seat. Well, that that song reminded me. I could only. I, a lot of young fans have come to me and said. Oh God, I remember when that would come on in my mom's car. <laughs> and, you know, I said, Oh, I know the feeling because I used to have that feeling when Minnie Ripperton's Loving You, yeah. where she would do the high note. Oh, and yes. my, like my, I was in the car with my stepfather or right. somebody, I was always like, Ooh, making love with you. And I changed the channel, you know? So <laughs> I felt for them like, Yeah, I know how you feel. Or Donna Summer's Love to Love You, yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah. you didn't want your parents. <laughs> hearing you or even look like you even knew what was going on when the song was in the car you're like like let it go over my head let it go what about remember carly simon when she was singing i started singing that at home i was a little kid Mm -hmm. daddy daddy i'm no virgin my parents would look at me right it was a song i go daddy it's a song right yeah 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 totally they're like what do you know but i was defined about it i was like it's on the radio so i could sing it just imagine i'll never forget this I, I, but I think both of you know this story, mm. was when I was nine years old, I got my babysitter, this little old Italian lady named Frances, bless Frances's soul. She took me to J.L. Hudson's and she would take me to get whatever I wanted to get. And I got her to buy me the Dirty Mind album. <gasps> yes. No. I was yes. nine, head on it? nine years oh old. Oh my God. And I took it home. <laughs> And this is and this is what happened. Uh huh. Jack, you off was corrupt. on that one too, wasn't it? No. Oh no. Okay. Sister was right. on it Sister. though. No. So I put it. I was in my little room and by, oh yeah, I was nine. Oh my. God. I was already a Prince fan, so I was. I didn't oh, just. Wow. It had just come out. I was a Prince fan from, yeah. you know, the Pegasus on the, the first, you know, second <laughs> album. So. 
the new one was out and he looked different and he had these little draws on and it was different <laughs> from the you know it was different from the fair flip this was some totally new, this was some flip. new shit this was the new new and i was like ooh so I didn't know what head and sister and all that stuff meant, but oh. I, you know, I memorized the words and I'll never forget. My mother was home one day. I was at my mother's house and I was blaring head and I was in there singing, morning, noon, and night, I'll give you oh, head. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and she came in there and said, what did you just say? <laughs> I'll give you head till you're burning up. Oh, no. Head. Till you get oh, enough. Jesus. She said, give me that album right now. <laughs> but what she didn't know is I had already put it on cassette. Oh, so I had, I had already handed it to her. I cried when I handed it to her. You know? <laughs> but I had it on cassette, so I continued to listen. Oh, my God. And it's so funny considering, I, I mean, she was on stage with Parliament. Yeah, so and she was singing stuff like Ica Prick and Iron Pussy. Right. That's it's a like, whole nother thing. But it's a whole new thing when it's in your own and household, And when it's right? in your own house and you're singing, <laughs> incest is everything is said to be. Oh. <laughs> no. I know. So that was not flying. That, that was not so flying for me. me. Oh, no. But, for uh, yeah, yeah, he did... Push the boundaries. He really uh, did. For sure. He really did. I don't even know if anybody had ever written a line like incest is everything. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anything like that. No, oh. me either. Have you? No. 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 So. But, Quite uh, explicit. I, you know, I think that, um, and I might get in trouble for this too, but, you say know, it, it. we've had conversations, well, or I, I'll say it. You know, and I think I can't speak for you, but I'll always say this that to me, Jill Jones and Lisa Coleman, mm -hmm. they are to me voices, sounds, uh, their voices, their tones, Lisa's combination of notes. There's something about the two of these women that resonated and stuck with Prince that he took all the way until the end. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that. I also believe that the women that were in his life in 82 and 83 mm -hmm. were probably the most important pack of women that shaped uh, inspiration as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, all the stuff, mm -hmm. good stuff, bad stuff, all the Everything, stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. They, they, to me, just my opinion, turned, made him who he became and made him the icon he became. Yeah. It was that culmination, that recipe, that jambalaya. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was also a part of the fact that um, all of the other people in the music business during that time were, if they went and got backing vocalists, they'd yeah. get the Jones sisters, the Jones, Jones girls, girls, and yeah. whoever else, and yeah. it was always very singy. Yeah. And what was so great about Prince is that it wasn't singy. Yeah. His backing <clears throat> vocals were very simplistic, and he was not a fan, was not a fan, and I quote, of vibrato at yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. He he hated it, 
hated too much vibrato. He wouldn't like it. And if you, you know, would be like, go to Broadway. Um, <laughs> I think he learned to develop an appreciation for it later, but it was not going to be... Um, that would have pigeonholed him too much for the R&B charts. Yeah. So I think he liked the very clean kind of straight voices. Not that we couldn't all do vibrato, yeah. but even with with the with all the women around him, we just approached each melody very simplistic mm-hmm. and there was a pureness of the actual sound of the note. Yeah. without any affectation. Yeah. And he worked really well with the fact that he could shape mm-hmm. a voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he actually did all that well with people who were like crazy, crazy singers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that he started singing, having a lot of the women later on who could sing rings around probably all of us earlier women in, in a bunch. However, I don't, think that it was the best of show of, for him. Yeah. I think when he was he was at his best when he was the simplest. Yeah. Um his thoughts were more fluid and uh, he was at his best when everything was simpler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. Let me ask you um when did or how did or who did who idea was it for the kind of like the bombshell the Maryland transformation how did that happen him okay watching a movie uh-huh. um, watching I don't know we were watching either swept away or um, actually the one with uh, Jack Lemon and um, uh, some some like it hot okay mm. And it's such a great film. But yeah. then mm-hmm. in the middle of it, you know, because he had a VCR. It was uh-huh. a big mm-hmm. brown VCR. Uh-huh. And he definitely kept that thing replenished. They always had some kind of movies mm-hmm. for him to watch. And yeah. He stopped it. And he was like, come here. And so then he took me into the bathroom upstairs at that purple house mm-hmm. and was rummaging through the drawers and saying, you know, you, you just look kind of plain with your brown, long brown hair and... When you're next to Vanity and everybody else, just just kind of, and I was like, well, I don't know about that. But anyway, he took out these little <laughs> tiny scissors and he started cutting my hair. Would you let me do it? I was like, yeah, okay. So he did it. He goes, I want to make it like, he wanted it like his. But then the next step, that it was a nice novel idea, but mm. I didn't have white people's hair. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of July... <laughs> In Minnesota, <laughs> with like humidity Hot at ninety five percent. Hot and humid. My little thing. I started looking like Jimi Hendrix showing up to, <laughs> to the rehearsal. This it was shorter, and it was like you know I had to put a bandana around it. I was like oh, looking no. like I came from the band of Gypsies, <laughs> and instead of Marilyn, and um, and then he wanted to go and have it bleached. And uh-huh. the one of the things was you know if it's bleached a little to get a little straighter. I was uh-huh. like. Okay, so they did that, and it did get straighter. Also, got thinner because mm-hmm. while they were blow drying my hair, I could just see it flying out and hitting like the mirror. Oh, no, it was like oh my god, because you know, but it went white. It was platinum. Yeah. Then he took me shopping to a thrift store, uh-huh. bought a really tight dress, black <laughs> dress, heels like this high, mm-hmm. threw on some black Ray Bans, 
took me to rehearsal and Jimmy Jam and the time almost like fainted. They would they almost died that day. They were all then then it was sort of like they should have just been playing Beethoven's dum da dum 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 whatever that one is. Uh because you could see they were all like uh oh another transmutation another one like you know it was like being an invasion of the body snatcher uh-huh. so it was like a kind of a joke that when you came to prince you came in one way and then you came out of the machine the different way and it was just like i saw jesse like god damn shame <laughs> you know? You know, like, there, there, perfected now here we are oh man yeah it was just like people like going mm, he changed her hair like i don't know and jesse was really honest but he made me feel the saddest about how i look because he goes i kind of liked you the other way because oh, it really was when your hair's changed like that mm-hmm. not only you know prince had to do my makeup he did it here wow. you know and he had a really nice feathery little touch mm-hmm. Here, if you do that. And then he had the nerve to be like, you know, I could have been a hairdresser <laughs> if I wasn't. I remember that. All this is going that. on and cutting my hair. I could have been a hairdresser. I'm like, mm, really? Oh, yeah. You know, meanwhile, right. those are fingernail scissors you're using on my hair. <laughs> they had to clean it up at the beauty shop, you know. But he did a pretty good job. Wow. It was asymmetrical. It, it did have the whole cut. <laughs> But it was a lot of work to to maintain all the time bleaching because every week you would see like roots coming. It was really tough. So is that when Uncle, how did Uncle Earl, oh. for all of you that don't know, the legendary hairstylist for Paisley <laughs> Park, mm-hmm. Earl Jones, who was responsible for probably what, 95, 99% of the looks in the 80s? Yeah, mm-hmm. if, you know. For the camp? Mm-hmm. For the Prince camp? Yeah, and then was... everybody started getting their own person yes. um, because Prince's hair was kind of demanding on set and mm-hmm. things was a little harder for him to run around. and um, Because up until the time when I met Prince, he was just using Brill Cream on his hair mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. frying it mm-hmm. with the curling iron yeah. i mean I sizzle mm-hmm. uh-huh. you could smell it burning. you could smell it and that and it was crispy uh-huh. those curls were crispy in fact mm-hmm. all the guy's hair was crispy, crispy. Uh-huh. all of them <laughs> yeah uh that was the only way because you had to keep that humidity yeah. you know at bay and um and so earl came along because he was working at umberto which is where mm-hmm. i went to uh-huh. get mine done before and then prince was in town in la and needed somewhere and Uh you know i think uh i was like yeah you just need to go get it done Uh and he knows how to do it because prince had had somebody give him a perm Uh and they over layered it you know when you do a perm and it grows out and it's not grown out enough that they double layered it and so it started to break off so he did a lot of like deep treat treatments Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. because it was so easy and i think it was he was maybe the one person who would tell him no with his mm-hmm. hair because yeah. how that person probably overlayered it was because prince was probably like i need you to do the roots mm-hmm. yeah. and they didn't have the guts to go no i yeah. can't do this your, your hair is going to fall out yeah so he worked with him on that and you know to this day earl never shared any of his hair secrets mm-hmm. he never blabbed about anything prince was doing yeah with his hair yeah mm-hmm. ever yeah. And we watch though. Yeah. 
Yeah. We yeah. Just watch how he was so he private about, yeah, he just wouldn't, <clears throat> wouldn't talk about his hair secrets. Yeah. And I think, I think hairdressers from that era and makeup artists mm-hmm. were like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were older and yeah. they just didn't, they wouldn't do it. I mean, Marilyn Monroe's guy, Whitey, it took him forever right. to tell everybody how to do certain things. They just, everybody had their own look. And yeah. Prince knew that about people. So yeah. when, when Apollonia had a look in the movie, it yeah. was her look. Yeah. It was in the book. This is her look. Mm-hmm. And it never should cross with anybody else's look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My colors were my colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the look, the makeup look. I mean, Prince covered it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Light makeup here for her, dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was for every single person. Susan. She'll wear white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were, he was very, very specific. Yeah. Earl was person. your mother's brother, right? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Uncle Earl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uncle Earl. He's so, so sweet. Is his demeanor? He, is yes. He fine. was, he was not a gossip about Mm-mm. people's stuff because you would have thought I would have had an inside scoop on everybody's yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. He never he did. He was soft spoken. I mean, yeah. I remember. Just, he was. Just, yeah. he was. Yeah. And I mean, he he continued doing Prince's hair for a while. Through Graffiti Bridge. Through made, Graffiti you know, Bridge. And I mean, there was a part where um, he had hit cancer at mm-hmm. one point, mm-hmm. and uh, he was on tour um, when they were in Europe, and he got sick, and mm-hmm. they... Uh, but he went through a lot with, with Prince, <clears throat> where they fell through a stage together. Oh, my oh. God. Really? Where was this? I don't know. It was somewhere in Amsterdam or oh somewhere God. there was a thing in the stage where they fell through it and uh, Earl's leg got really messed up. And later, that leg was something with his cancer where there was radiation that had to be on that leg, which was really... Then, Then of course, he sadly died from pancreatic cancer, like, I don't know, years later. Mm. Wow. But um, yeah, you know, dragging Uncle Earl across the world, it mm-hmm. was like, okay, he's getting a little old, Prince, uh, but he didn't care. <laughs> yeah. He was like he was doing with his dad. You know, yeah. I see right, his yeah. dad one day, and then the next day he's all dressed up in boas and all this other shit. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, there's your dad, you like rolling that? up at, at Tramp at like two in, two in the mm-hmm. morning, okay, you know? With like, Devin DeVasquez right. in his arm. Exactly. Playmate, right? And I was just like, <laughs> whose hair caught on fire when I was hanging out with them one night? Um, Her hair caught on fire. Hers? Yeah, Devin's hair. Oh, no. What happened? She leaned across the table, and she <laughs> was sitting there with John L. And, um, and I was mad because I was sure that it was a foil. I was like, Prince is mm. dating Devin. And, of course, he was. Ultimately, right. we found out. Or maybe she, I don't know, dated both. But he was like, she's really with my dad, really. <laughs> or he came around the corner because he ran into me at the club. And I was like, oh, oh really? So I went and I sat down and was like, hey, how are you guys doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and she couldn't hear me. And she's so sweet. Devin is so sweet. Like, hi. And she Aww. leaned over. And her hair caught on fire. Oh, man. And I was in the candle. And I was like. And then Prince starts laughing. I mean, he's like the worst. He started laughing. I think Chick had to put her hair out. John L., somebody. No, no, it was very strange. It was a very odd Chick had to put her hair out. Oh, Chick. (laughs) So how'd you end up singing background for Vanity Six? Let's talk a little bit about the 1999 tour. When I... um, when we met in, and I was working on the 1999 tour and he was doing their album yeah. and doing the second album yeah. uh, for the time, 
um, he just flew me back there and put me in their band. Mm. And I think it was quite a shock for them Mm -hmm. because, you know, he just inserted me as Mm -hmm. the background singer. Mm -hmm. And as he inserted the time, you know, going to play for them Mm -hmm. as well. But the only difference is I, I, I don't even think they really got much of a say. Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that was a shock because Vanity was also under the impression it, it, she was trying to get her sea legs there too. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think she was quite certain mm-hmm. of what his status was with Susan. And then I show up and I just kind of think that there was a lot of like question marks going yeah. around mm-hmm. like, what the hell is going on? Right. And mm-hmm. Brenda, of course, wasn't dating anybody, but she was with... Roy, uh, Roy, Roy Bennett. So, um, yeah, and it was very strange because we all just sort of functioned, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. hey, you're going shopping? Well, I'm going to go downtown, and yeah. that's that. And But soon I think it wore on, on Denise mm-hmm. a lot uh-huh. because she also had a lot of pressure where she was being, he wanted her for the film mm-hmm. at one point, and I think then it just turned into, like, leveraging each other. Mm-hmm. And then I think when we all had this rehearsal <clears throat> for dancing, like the scenes and, and right. we were taking classes and whatnot, and another girl that Prince was seeing named Katie was giving mm-hmm. us the dance class, I think that Boy. that was the <laughs> nail. The Katie. Was she an um, Asian girl? Asian, and she was with the yeah. masking tape on the nipples. Yes. And I think yeah. that was the nail in the coffin for the movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can, because me and Jerome were like the ace students in the class. For some mm-hmm. reason, we were both were great at jetés and all this shit. <laughs> and we went there, and but I knew about this relationship he had um, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Katie. But it took Denise a minute mm-hmm. to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then all I know is Prince was coming to me saying like, she wants more money for the movie and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. And the movie you know. we're talking about, this is 1983, mm-hmm. Purple Rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was us. just a lot. Keep you know, you're us. having a girlfriend going, okay, everybody, bend over. Now do this. And women just don't function that well. I think it was mm-hmm. like she'd already been on tour, Vanity. We'd already been on tour. We dealt with all of that. But then here we all were, and our choreographer was another girlfriend that you're passing off as just the girl who's working in the dance studio. That's Mm-mm. sticky. That was him. That's real that sticky. Was sticky, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Oh, one more funny 1999 <laughs> story. Tell us a story about when Jam and Lewis got fired and you ended up doing the time, oh, <laughs> the time concert. No. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh. That was like Vanity Six needed to go on stage. Yeah. And there was a snowstorm. And, you know, we had had a few days off. So, you know, it was like, okay, why, where's Jimmy and Terry? You know, we're backstage. We all had our sound checks. Like, where are they? And they're like, they didn't make it. They were not here. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. And it was just like you could hear it. It was the silence backstage Mm -hmm. that you could didn't want to fuck around with. You just didn't want to say anything. (laughs) You didn't want your shoes to make a sound. Yeah. It was just that tense, right? And Prince looks over at me at one point and goes, you stood by Jimmy Jam all that time on tour. You know his parts? Because I had 
taking piano myself, but taking piano lessons and playing a freaking concert <laughs> and do different things. Oh, man. I don't even know what to say. It was kind of like, and I rose to the occasion, almost like, I speak jive. <laughs> I'll do it. Like, I can do it. And that's what was funny about me and Prince. It was kind of like, I can do it. Yes, we'll do it. So, Vanity's not convinced. She's like, oh, what? You know, now the rest of the band is there. Right. Well, who else is going to be playing the keyboard? Don't worry about it. Prince jumps over on his. He's going to play over. Uh, he had the bass or something. And I can see all this. And there we are. And I don't know what notes I was hitting when Nasty Girl came on. It was like, <laughs> Prince is playing bass. And then he's like trying to run around and decide to play the keyboards, to do what. It was the most absurd. I think the stress of that and going through that whole gig <laughs> was probably why he sacked him. Because oh. we were behind a curtain, too. So there's all of us looking at each other. Jesse's looking. Everybody's doing all this. Everybody's trying to do more than their job was. It was the most stressful situation ever. And Brins is like, I thought you said you knew the part. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Was this ever filmed? Um, I think, well, you know, Prince filmed every night. So it's probably at the vault. But they don't have us behind. Oh, if somebody behind ever had us behind the, the stage, oh. it would have been incredible. But it was, I think, everybody was sweating like bullets. Steve oh, Farnoli was like running back from the sound. It, we, we, we had a, they should have just played the record. <laughs> I do not know why. They, they did not. They the record. Yep. Yeah, it this. was horrendous. And he's like, I thought you knew what you're... <laughs> nervous. I'm, I was like, I'm nervous. <laughs> <Don't> imagine. <laughs> like nasty girl. <laughs> it's the punk. Yeah. It's the angry I punk wait version. For nasty girl to be over. That was the last part song because uh, bite the beat and all that. That was okay. But the other shit, I was like, this is funky stuff that Jimmy Job, no, but Jimmy Jam. But you did <laughs> it. <laughs> was. But you did it. You actually went there and did it. And it's how we got through it. I know that Monty was doing the best he could oh. to pick up everything, all the bad everything. It was really bad. It's a blur. Oh. Mm -hmm. And then I got special. roped into on that tour oh. where, you know, the 777 yes. um, hi-hat. <laughs> Yes. situation would happen and for some reason i was roped into just hitting it there's a breakdown that they had to do that i had to keep hitting hitting the 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 snare all the way through the end of the song so when we would do the shows i could never leave and go back to the hotel on the tour i had to be on everybody's show and then for that the time thing i would just dress up in a black suit and a black beret <laughs> So that I just blended into the walls just to come and hit this snare. It was like a, just crazy. Oh yeah, it was like, and the girls would be do their gig at the beginning, and then they'd go back to the hotel, and I had to stay all the way. And then, you had of to course, stay, and then yeah, Prince's you had to perform show. for nineteen ninety nine. Mm -hmm. And Jeez. but yeah. what what great experience <sighs> and learning and you know the fact that he trusted you and the responsibility and that's a lot of trust yeah, yeah. that's a lot of trust and he trusted you he's like do it it was very 
let's just put a show on. <laughs> Jeez. Very, what, Busby Berkeley or like uh, our gang? It was very our gang. Our that gang. night was very our gang. Alfalfa and Spanky. Yeah. We, you could call you, me you Alfalfa. Dar- and you were was, Darla. Yeah, I was Darla. <laughs> she was Darla. Oh, no. I felt like Spanky. Man. Well, alfalfa just, at times. I could see it all. Oh, my God. What a wild tour. So now you... You're back in 1983, and you are saying you are doing your classes. So tell us about, really, you're studying. You're oh. there with Denise, Susan, Brenda, and what kind of classes were you taking? Oh, Maybe. they had us taking and for how long? acting classes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> through a whole summer, and Prince was really excited about that. Uh, I forget that Don somebody, act, another actor was our teacher, Don... I can see his face Mm with uh, balding hair and um, I'll remember it, but he was teaching us. Mm -hmm. And then then he started kind of doing like improvisation stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the improvisations would, you know, improvisations can go anyway. Mm -hmm. And you could then therefore see there was a little tension going on with um, with the two lead people Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so they were doing improv the two of them Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm. and um that was so you could kind of see things coming and then Mm -hmm. i think denise had decided to move downtown and had moved out of the chanhassen hotel because she and i were like side by side i was there too i had my own Mm. place (laughs) at the motel and she got her own place and was getting more independent in town and uh, when you become more independent, then you also hear more about mm-hmm. what's going on. No longer are you stuck out in Chanhassen when mm-hmm. Prince is roaming around downtown and, you know, catting across the corners. And I think that it just became very tough for them. I also know that at one point, Barry um, Gordy contacted <clears throat> me and he wanted to uh, uh, talk about Denise and mm-hmm. um, also... Prince not pacing himself mm. in his career or mm-hmm. something. That might have been after, but I know he called me about Denise. And that's how I kind of knew that she was already talking to to pass mm-hmm. Suzanne mm-hmm. and Suzanne was doing a Hollywood. That was happening at the same time. But I never mm-hmm. said anything to him like, you know, you need to like the town is small. Yeah. It comes things come back. And um so there was already two worlds happening, two parallel worlds. And you've mentioned how you were also going up for the same roles mm-hmm. with her. Because as soon as someone would would know that you that he had interest in you, I mean, it's sort of like it just spreads like wildfire. And then you get agents calling you that never would have called you before. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what kind of uh, started happening. And so... Mm-hmm. I think uh, Denise started thinking there was more opportunity outside of it mm-hmm. because I think Motown was looking for her to do a music kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it never would have happened unless her agent, Hal, yeah. had not been mentioning that he wanted <clears throat> her to get out of this. Right. Yes. Right. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they all had the same. That's the funny thing about the business. All the lawyers are the same lawyers, and uh, mm-hmm. they all went to the same school. And if it's not the same school, they've all worked together. Right. Yep. And why it's really hard to get, if you ever are in trouble and you need someone to defend you, yep. 
or help you out of a jam, it's almost impossible because with entertainment lawyers, they're always thinking, hmm, that person um, could be a client of mine tomorrow. Right. right. So it's it's very tricky, and that's unfortunate how things yeah. go down here. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why it 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 really for me you know that like some of the some the fans particularly find it hard to believe that you know like sometimes like Apollonia and Vanity may have been up for the same roles that's mm-hmm. not uncommon at all in mm-hmm. Hollywood at all that's very common you know Fair. what I mean? Because all of the agents know each other and mm-hmm. a lot of the ro- same roles are looking, if they're if it's the same role, they're looking for an Apollonia. Well, here's right. the interesting thing. Right. And I wanted to clear this up because right. there have been a, there was another situation that I saw like Gina Gershon mm-hmm. was up for the part. Mm-hmm. And of course, in media, mm-hmm. they lie and they twist things and they make things a little bit more salacious or even yeah. more interesting than they really are. Mm-hmm. I knew Gina from going to high school with Gina. Mm-hmm. When Vanity dropped out, he didn't have any. He was like, do you know anybody? Mm-hmm. And I said, I have a friend, Gina. Maybe she could do it. Because mm-hmm. I knew that Gina had just done a video with Lenny mm-hmm. Kravitz mm-hmm. on some <laughs> playing some heroin addict or something in one of his videos. And mm-hmm. Lenny Kravitz and I went to school together. Mm-hmm. Or she was going to play something. Anyway, we... I hadn't been out of high school that long. So these relationships you still retain in your head. And I was like, let's call Gina. So we tracked her down and she flew to Minnesota. And then he went out and I guess, I don't know, she went back to his house and whatever. And then she, I saw her the next morning when she left and, you know, but, but the newspapers will have you believe like she was up for the role and she was going to get it. She was never going to get it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened back at that house, but (laughs) what I can say is that I asked him immediately, is she going to get it? And he was Mm -hmm. like, like you got to do better than that with this girl, these girls. Not that she wasn't that type that he wanted. Mm -hmm. It was a very special, striking beauty mm-hmm. and it was not going to be a questionable beauty it was mm-hmm. going to be beauty walking in the door gina gershon i love you i loved her and uh with larry david i love her too uh, but but i do know uh, that certain you know she would never know and i don't know what there what and she didn't really want that for herself she was mm-hmm. trying to be more serious she mm-hmm come out of the neighborhood playhouse and of course the media takes it into one these everybody is an artist and they do whatever they do but the type of beauty that he was looking for had to like he said make vanity nervous wow quote Mm. and he even had the girl from who wrote love um carol 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 something Carol Baker, not Carol. She Carol had, Davis. Did she have long Davis. black hair? Yes. He showed me that tape. He even had her come <clears throat> around. And the problem was she was too hard, he said. <clears throat> now, I, I know, and, and and no, I mean, and she had knew a bunch of languages, and she was mm-hmm. very sophisticated, but that was just what he said. Now, she, she he could have told somebody else something different, yeah. but she all African? I know is what he said to me. <clears throat> was she African-American? <clears throat> Davis? Kind of. She has something, yeah. some kind of, you know. Some memory said, see, if you mess around, she's coming. 
He oh, did he that. did that on Graffiti Bridge <clears throat> with me, some girl. He was like, if you don't straighten up around here, I'm going to replace her. I said, oh, what, an old girlfriend? <laughs> you know, I was like such a, oh, I was like, really? Mm. <laughs> You're actually going to go back and reshoot? Yeah. Yeah. Really? He, oh, God, oh, he wanted to God. strangle me. <laughs> I was like, because mm, I know up your with tricks. It. You didn't put up with How it. How he put Carol Davis up there? Very different types of mm-hmm. people, you know. She was, um, she was a, she was a nice girl. <laughs> and speaking of nice. I just remembered my contract with you guys. <laughs> you guys cracked me up. <laughs> okay, speaking of nice, tell us about your nice moments during Purple Rain. God, aren't you a singer? What are you doing? And Prince was paying for it. Mm-hmm. It just became like, you know, we squandered so much time. Mm. For what? I don't know what I was waiting for, and I don't know why he was so hell-bent on me waiting. 